Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. Welcome along to this episode 28, I think, of the Keegan Odyssey. Feels a bit 28-ish. Yeah. Um, we are at the point where Newcastle had just thrown away the, the Premiership 95-96 after the 12-point lead, I think it was, and uh, Manchester United won it. And uh, Kev says, when everything was done at the end of the 95-96 season, I was absolutely drained. Terry says he could see how badly it scarred me. Terry says he could see how badly it scarred me, but I think it scarred us all. I wonder how bad Terry McDermott was scarred by it. Probably not that much, really. I don't imagine Terry McDermott takes things on board and gets hurt by much. Nah. Um... For 10 days, I sat at home thinking everything through, wondering if I had taken the club as far as I could. There we go. Um, There was an emptiness about finishing second. It didn't even mean qualifying for the Champions League in those days. Wow, blimey. I've Um, forgotten that. Champions Champions only in the Champions League back then. Uh, A part of me wondered whether it was time to leave Newcastle. You'd start to think this is as far as he could take them, and this is the beginning of the end, because he eventually did leave during the next season. Um, the arrival of Alan Shearer from Blackburn was the biggest motivating factor to carry on because if the greatest scorer in the country um, with 31 goals the previous season ended up with Old Trafford then we and everybody else might as well have announced them as the champions before a ball had been kicked in anger so Alex Ferguson was desperate to get Shearer mm. that summer and of course it was the summer after year 96 so Shearer's stock yeah. had never been higher oh yeah um, I mean there's England fans People were going crazy about Shearer, like, oh, he's the best player in the world now. Yeah. But that's England fans for you, isn't it? I mean, I remember thinking, going on to my cousins about Alan Shearer, my Italian cousins, and going, I'm telling you, mate, he's the best. You know, you saw him in Euro 96. He's the best in the world now. But you look back and you think, yeah, well, he's a bit like Harry Kane. I mean, a lot of those goals were um, were penalties. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He was he was he was better than Harry Kane actually wasn't he? Because he the thing is he did occasionally score fucking mad yeah. screamers not, from outrageous had he, had places. Shearer not had a really dry spell before that tournament though because there was yeah. criticism of was, not before everyone wanted Les Ferdinand. But yeah. Les Ferdinand had had an incredible season, a swashbuckling season for Newcastle. Yeah, and uh, Shearer had, had a good season for Blackburn. He was always good in the Premier League, but he hadn't scored for England for like a year mm. or something like that. And everyone was like, you've got to pick Ferdinand. But he stuck with Shearer because Shearer was so preeminent in the Premier League. Venable stuck with him, with Sheringham. Yeah. And uh, and then, yeah, I was at the first game, which was against Switzerland. And he scored in that. And that sort of broke his dry spell. Right. And then he, yeah. he just went upwards from there. Yeah. Uh, so Manchester United are on the brink of signing Shearer. It looked like he was going to go there. But uh, Kev, you know... 
ever the the drama addict felt he could get him as well, so he tried to poach him. And he talks about their first meeting. Our first meeting was in Huddersfield. And the smoke screen... <laughs> we're going to have to have a smoke screen. We're going to meet up with Alan <laughs> Shearer trying to get him to sign for us, but we're going to need a smoke screen. <laughs> Terry, create a smoke screen. Well, thing is, Brian Adams is on at Huddersfield at the McAlpine Stadium, and I quite fancy going to see him. <laughs> big fan. So if we take Alan there, that could be the smoke screen. Kev, what's your favourite Brian Adams song? When I was a lad, me and my pals used to think the summer of 69 was the funniest fucking title for a song we'd ever heard in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> but he weren't talking about 69ing. He was just talking about the year 1969. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean 69ing? You know... Where you do that thing where your missus it? I don't want to know. I do not know. <laughs> me and Jean know what we like and we stick to it, thanks very much. Summer and for of me, 69. the summer of 69 will always represent the last time Newcastle United won a major trophy, the Fairs <laughs> Cup. <laughs> so You should keep your mind on that, Terry, and not on this other business. <laughs> You'll get distracted. Uh, Alan had tickets for the gig but arrived strategically early. And we met at a tourist house owned by a friend of his agent, Tony Stevens. Fucking hell. <laughs> None of us wanted anything to leak out. And here we go. This is my favourite bit. Alan had taken a leaf out of my book by wearing dark glasses and a baseball cap to avoid being <laughs> recognised. It's disguise <laughs> time again. <laughs> Woo! Fucking hell. I tell you what, he shouldn't have... Um if he wanted to go kick full Keegan, a fucking baseball cap and dark glasses is nowhere near nah. the standard. You needed a I mean, wig. anyone can fucking wear that. You want a wig, a false moustache, a fancy outfit. A white tuxedo or something like that. Yeah, go as a um, Bulgarian peasant or something yeah. like that. Do you know what I mean? Are you Bring an accordion that's the sort of along. That would, would stand out in Huddersfield. A Bulgarian I'm just saying costume. you need to go deep cover. Someone nowadays, right, if you see someone in a in a baseball cap and dark glasses, you almost instinctively think, oh, look, it's someone famous. Yeah. I better get close and work out who it is. Of course, yeah. It's so yeah. obvious, No right? one else dresses so like that. You need to go more elaborate. If it was me, I'd dress as a Bulgarian peasant, mm. and in, under one arm I would have an accordion, as if I was off to play in yeah. a town square, and in the other hand I'd be carrying a cage with three mangy cats in it. Nice. Yeah. Just a word of advice. Good disguise advice, that. <laughs> Our spin-off disguise podcast is inevitable yeah. and imminent. <laughs> uh, I'd always liked what I'd seen of Alan before I got to know him. Now I had met him in the flesh, my admiration only increased. Arthur Cox always used to say to me, he's just like you, you know. He has his own mind, his own thoughts, and if he doesn't agree with something, he'll let you know. Oh. Immediately, I thought, yes, this is the kind of man I want to work with, someone who's exactly like me. <laughs> with his own thoughts. Yeah. I can't stand these other footballers who have the thoughts of other people. <laughs> he sounds as though he'd question everything. He's perfect. <laughs> Alan was very much his own man, albeit in the framework of a team. His, he had natural presence, gravitas, call it what you will. And it didn't need long to realise he would be a leader in the dressing room, potential captaincy material, as well as being such a formidable provider of goals. So the deal was in place. Um, 
Alan had told Blackburn that he wanted to go. Um, by this stage, he'd spoken to Ferguson, but Kev knew that he had the the edge when Alan walked in, shook his hand, and told me he had only one condition when it came to Newcastle. I don't want to know about the financial stuff, he, he said. That's all down to Tony, and I trust him to handle that. All I would ask is, can I wear the number nine shirt? That, of course, that famous mythical Newcastle number nine shirt. From Jackie Milburn. Jackie Milburn. Martin Martin McDonald, McDonald. Uh Paul Kitson. Uh, <laughs> I looked him in the eye. You've got it! <clears throat> uh, of course, the present incumbent of that number nine shirt at Newcastle was Les Ferdinand. Fucking hell. So Kev's just sold Ferdinand down the river. Ferdinand, who'd been their absolute he'd hero, scored. he'd filled the shoes of Andy Cole. Yeah, he's got 29 everything. goals. He got 29 goals every- the season before. Everything they'd asked of him and more. He was an absolute fucking sensation. And his reward for that was, we've just signed Alan Shearer, who plays in the same position as you, and we're, and we're fucking giving him your shirt. And he's having your shirt as well. <laughs> the shirt off your back. Yeah. Everything was going according to plan until Douglas Hall rang Jack Walker, the Blackburn owner, to confirm we would meet the £15 million asking price. The message came back we could forget it unless we produced the cash in one lump sum rather than, as was in the as was the Norman big money transfers, various instalments. So Jack Walker's gone, now look, I'm going to need the fucking money up front, the whole lot, right? <laughs> I'm in a bit of trouble. I've got a couple of things going on. I've got a bit of a cash flow situation at the minute. Bit of a tight spot, yeah, so you're going to have to get I'm the lot of it to me pronto. i a corner, so, you know, you're going to have to stump it all up now, or I'll now listen, the fella. I know you've got a private jet, right? Yeah, I'll have that get as yourself, well. Get yourself on it and fly down here to Blackburn with the cash, <laughs> then you can give it to me, double quick. I'll take 14.9 million and the plane. You can get a <laughs> Tell taxi Shearer battle. from me. Tell Shearer from me. Thanks for everything, TTF fucking N. <laughs> uh, it sounds like chicken feed now, but in 96, it was a world record transfer. It was as well, wasn't it? It was a world record. It was huge. Big stuff. Okay. I remember the day very well. I woke up and heard it on the radio. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it because everyone thought he would probably leave, but everyone was convinced if he left, he'd go to United. Yeah. And there hadn't even been much of a rumour about Newcastle. No. Because United needed a number nine. Well, hang on, no, they had Cole, didn't they? But people thought that Shearer would be an upgrade. And, you know, really, Newcastle had Les Ferdinand. You thought, well, he can't be bettered. No, there was no rumours at all. And then it just suddenly happened out of the blue. Yeah. Yep, uh, and Blackburn had made the terms even more difficult for Manchester United, <laughs> um, insisting the fee was £20 million up front because wow. Walker apparently had a grudge against the Old Trafford club due to a previous transfer wrangle. Uh, probably Henningberg. <laughs> it, might, it might have been, yeah. Yeah, for you, cunts, it's £20 million and I want it all yeah. up front. <laughs> but, but why? Ah... <laughs> uh, I remember that fucking transfer wrangle. Don't think I've forgotten that. There's one thing I resent. It's a fucking wrangle. <laughs> it'll have been David May. That's how it'll have been. Yeah, over fucking Maisie. You I still me over, feel over sick David to my stomach. Every time I see that cunt in a United shirt, I feel sick to my fucking stomach. Every time I see him sat on that bench at Old Trafford, <laughs> I think about that time you could fuck me over. It's not happening again. <laughs> 20 million or nothing. Apparently, in Shearer's book, which I read once, 
because is it, I think I had to interview him years ago. Is it, so is I read it deep his diveable? book. No, nah, it's really boring. <laughs> well, it's famously boring, isn't it? Yeah. It's a famously boring it's book. It's the, the fence it's, book, isn't it? It's the, yeah, exactly. But I read it um, in the days when <clears> I would bother to do that level of research yeah. of reading an entire book just to prepare for a 20-minute interview in which the bloke was a, a little bit of a cunt. But well, no, that's that's a, that's a bit strong. That's a bit strong. He wasn't a cunt, but he was he was a, he was difficult and un, he was unhelpful yeah. in the interview. Anyway, I was reading it, and in it, he said there was all these clubs coming in for him, like I think foreign clubs and blah blah blah. And he said I was never ever. Everyone thought I was going to United. He goes, they weren't even in the running. They did everything they could. But they weren't even in my top three choices. He went where I almost went was Liverpool. Wow. He said he he says in his book he was right on the verge of Liverpool until Keegan came in and just made it too much of a. He just painted a picture too exciting of yeah. returning to my home ground. But he wanted to sign for Liverpool. I don't know who was the boss, Julier. I think it was Roy Evans. I and, think still then wasn't it? it was or maybe it was Roy Julia Evans came in and nicked the and, job off Evans. And they put a bid in for him. And he and he wanted to go because he thought it would be an opportunity to, you know, awake a sleeping giant. Because Liverpool had that team that finished third, I think, and they had Collymore, who was yeah. great, but he wasn't kind of top tier. And Shearer would have yeah. took them to to a next level, I think. Yeah, because they had the, they, it was the Spice Boys yeah. team, so they had all these good young players like Jamie Redknapp, Jason McAteer. And I think they David brought in James. they brought in Patrick Berger as well after that Euro '96. After Euro '96, yeah. so they, he he thought that they were yeah probably just one player, Alan Shearer away from winning so the league, aware. and he thought that was exciting. But in the end, Keegan just made him Keegan's charm and charisma and passion, <laughs> which are three things that you don't readily associate with Roy Evans no, necessarily, really. or Alex Ferguson I won him over. So. Um, all that mattered was the player was ours as long as we could raise the money. Douglas was quickly on the phone to his father, Sir John Hall, who came came through for us. It was exhilarating, exhausting but exhilarating. Um, Newcastle, the club that had once stopped, tried to stop me signing a player for £90,000, which he's never going to let them forget about, had agreed the biggest deal in football history. So then we turned to Les Ferdinand, of course, mm. who is the incumbent of the number nine shirt. Um, I had to keep my part of the bargain and that wasn't straightforward when Les Ferdinand was the proud owner of the number nine shirt. Uh, Andy Cole had found it difficult in his first full season at Old Trafford with 13 goals. A little dig, Andy Cole there, I think. Les, on the other hand, could not stop scoring for us and became the PFA Player of the Year. Um, he was prodigious in the air. Les's leap, I called it. <laughs> I was quite pleased with that. Terry, Terry Mack, Les is scoring a lot of goals with his head and I think we're going to need to come up with a name for his jump, a name that we can use between us. What are you talking about, Kev? It's just just call them goals. No, 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 that's not enough for me, Kevin Keegan. We're going to need a name for his jump. I'm going to call it Les's Leap. Oh, Why me. don't you just call it Ferdinand's Jump? <laughs> fuck me. <laughs> Well, that's not very imaginative, is it, Terry? It's also got hey. more syllables in than Les's Leap. You're not thinking this I'm through, Terry. I'm here to Colts players and flip burgers, not fucking write poetry. <laughs> All right, Terry, calm down. Just call it Leslie's Bounce. <laughs> Again, Terry, that's no good at all. How about calling it uh, Les's Leap? 
that was my suggestion. That's what I said. <laughs> I don't whatever. remember you saying that. <laughs> but, all right. Fair enough. Agree to disagree. <laughs> right. It's decided then. Leslie's leap. I'll get straight on to Leslie's agent to inform him that that's our decision. And then I'll bring it in front of the board at next week's meeting. <laughs> but as the agent, uh, I don't think I need to be consulted about this. It's just between you and your, your assistant manager. Okay, I just thought I'd let you know. <laughs> Please notify Les. I don't want it to be awkward in training. Would it be all right with you if I didn't do that with Les? Uh, whatever. Quite happy well, with that. But that's up to you. But I will be shouting it every time he jumps in training. I don't want to scare him. <laughs> Les is late. What? <laughs> the number nine shirt in Newcastle was iconic. Les had grown attached to it. And in that position, I would have felt exactly the same. It's, uh, ooh, yeah, so there we go. So they're due to fly to Bangkok on a pre-season tour and Kev takes Les to one side in the airport to, first of all, explain that he wouldn't be boarding the plane because he's in the process of signing Alan Shearer. I quickly assured Les I had no intention of removing him from the team. But when I mentioned we needed his shirt, he was taken aback. Yeah, what? Fucking understandable. I'm just just been the fucking. I'm the player of the seat. I'm the I'm the PFA player of the season. You absolute. I've taken you to within a, a shade of winning the Premier League. Yeah, twenty nine fucking goals for you. By the way, you've already fucked it by signing Tino Espria. Yeah, what is your problem with me? <laughs> I was scoring for fun. You signed Espria. We lost the league. Now we got to summer. You would have thought you learned your lesson. You've gone out and signed another fucking player in my position. Can you taking me fucking shirt off me? What the fuck? What have I got to do? Um, typically, Les's first reaction was to agree, but when I slipped away, leaving him with a long flight to think about it properly, his views hardened. By the time I joined everyone in Bangkok, he had decided he was not going to let it go without a fight. Dun, oh. dun, dun. You haven't got your little machine, your gizmo there, have you? For dun, dun, dun. All right, hang on, I'm going to get it. Okay. Brilliant. Do it now. Jalapeño. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jalapeño. Kev says that was the only time Les and I crossed swords before common sense prevailed and he agreed to take the number 10 shirt. That's a good shirt. The number 10 shirt's a good shirt, you know. What would you, if you could choose, what would you choose? Me? Yeah. Number nine. I'd always choose a ten. Would you? Tens are the best, aren't they? I used to be a goal scorer, though. I used to be a poacher. Really? Yeah, I was a number nine. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm certainly no number ten in reality. No. 
you know, I'm a, I'm at best a number five. You just want to but, be a number ten. But if you could be anything, you'd be a number ten. I read someone there, recently saying there's there's a prevalence of young kids who all want to be number tens nowadays, and this is why we're slightly shy of English goal scorers, out and out goal scorers, because everyone wants to be a number ten and to to know, pull the strings. Slight, slightly withdrawn yeah. role. Among all the kids in that these days, yeah. Mm. So if I was going to, you know, encourage my kid to to become a footballer, I would say fucking play left back because nobody wants that. But you can a number ten. Some people think it's like the player in the whole like Zidane, Mm. but you know Maradona was a ten. But then sometimes you know like Ferdinand was a ten. Fucking Tony Cotty. When I was a kid and he was my favourite player, he was a number ten and he was the ultimate fucking six yard box poacher. So it can mean different things for different people. Yeah. But whatever position it is, it's always the sexiest number. Okay. So Lee Clark was the number 10 and that put his nose out of joint. Kev says, could anybody be surprised my hair was getting greyer and greyer? Because he's not spending any time trying to assemble a winning football team. He's basically pandering to the fucking egos of these pricks who who want to have a certain number on their shirt. Just tell them this is your number and you take it. Or you I can, can take off. it or leave it, mate. Yeah. It's fucking negotiating with them. So Les even asked for number 99 at one stage. That's a power play from Les, that. Yeah, oh, big yeah. stuff. Oh, that can be number 99, can I? Oh, I don't know. Can you fit 99 on the back of a shirt? Oh, you are a big lad, I suppose, Les. I don't know. I'll ring the Premier League <laughs> and find out. Les yeah, I've been thinking about it, and I want to be 9,999,999. Yeah. And that's the only thing I'm going to agree to. I want to be 99, but I want the second nine to be really little, so you can hardly see it. How's that? Is that all right, Kev? Can I do that? Um, And then I had to sound out our captain, Peter Beardsley, because Alan's other request, Kev had already said he only had one request, but it seems there was two. Alan's other request was to take over penalty duties. So Beardsley, of course, would have had to give up the penalties. So Alan Shearer immediately getting his own way, stamping his authority on things. And the season started with a charity shield against Manchester United and we lost 4-0. And the press took great pleasure in questioning whether Alan had joined the wrong club. Yeah, I bet. Uh, we quickly shook it out of our system and we trounced the champions 5-0 in October. I think we all remember that match. I was in a pub in Hampstead watching that match, believe it or not. Doesn't doesn't sound very plausible. Doesn't sound plausible at all, does it? But that's where I was. So deal yeah. with it. How did you find yourself there? I was I was down in London visiting a mate, and he had a mate was, who lived in Hampstead, and we went over there. It was the nineties. It was the nineties. The nineties. Things happened. Ninety six. Like you went to places, didn't you, without really knowing why? He didn't care. Didn't care why didn't you care. went there. You just went with the flow. Yeah. You just followed the hooch wherever the hooch or the caffries was flowing. Yeah, you'd go. We did, and for some reason the pub appeared to be full of Newcastle fans or Newcastle sympathisers because the place oh, yeah, was fucking bouncing. Well, and there was again, that, that was the way things were in the 90s. I watched it, in a, I watched it in a pub in Brighton. Was that the one, and Philippe Albert chipped Schmeichel right. from outside the box? Yep, that was the fifth yeah, goal, Yeah, I watched it? it in a pub in Brighton. We were sort of playing pool whilst half watching the game yeah. and then slowly just fucking stopped playing pool because the game was so exciting. Yeah. It's that thing, cause the, like Kev has said in the past, Newcastle were the uh, the favoured team of the neutrals, the, the, the yeah. nation's second team or whatever, which was kind of true. Yeah. And, you know, everyone wanted to see Manchester United get their noses bloodied. So... Everyone in the pub that day, I think, was sporting Newcastle. 
except me. Yeah. <laughs> so there we are, and they were top of the table again after that. Uh, Alan's signing was, I hoped, a game changer, and it was never going to be a problem to score goals when we also had Les and Peter, as well as Faustino Spree's intricate skill. He's still there, Faustino, plugging <laughs> away. Uh, plus, Don't forget me. <clears throat> plus two wingers in David Ginola and Keith Gillespie, who had a tremendous amount to offer. It was a very top-heavy team, wasn't it? You've got Ferdinand Shearer, Espria, Beardsley, yeah. Ginola, Gillespie. Six forwards. Kev, do you not think we should sign some defenders this summer? We've got Darren Shut Peacock. Shut up, Terry. No one wants that. We've got Darren Peacock. What do we need to do that for? <laughs> Look at his lovely long hair. <laughs> the hair alone is worth three players. And Philippe Albert, well, he's become a striker as well now. He's scoring goals for fun. They were a good partnership, Albert and and, um, and Peacock. And I think their sort of defensive midfielder would have been... It was Batty, think, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, of course it was. Yeah, best defensive midfielder in mm. a way. So it was a good team. It was. Keith was brave, fast as a whippet, and the fact he did not let his personal problems affect what was happening on the pitch indicated his strength of character. Over the years, he'd been very honest about his gambling issues. Um mm. There was no clues he was in any trouble from the way he was playing. I was still in the dark until a journalist from The Sun informed us a story was being printed. And Keith and his agent turned up at my house to confess the young Irishman owed a five-figure sum to a bookmaker who, in turn, had passed it on to a local debt collector. Oh, no. Fucking hell, trouble. And when he says a debt collector, he means a debt collector. What, like a bastard? A debt collector with weapons, I imagine. Yeah. A debt bastard. debt bastard, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> hello not 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 hello yes who is it hello who is it this is this isn't Keith Gillespie he's out yeah <laughs> uh, I'm someone else uh, who can I say is Carlin <laughs> it's Debt Bastards Limited <laughs> from up in the town I'm here to get my bastard debt back and I'll warn you I'm going to be a right bastard about it so Kev says, I was disappointed Keith hadn't levelled with me in the first place, but above all, I wanted to help. And when I spoke to the bookmaker, I arranged to reduce the debt if it was paid straight away. So Kev's gone and done a deal with the bookie. Mm. And the club advanced Keith some money, and I made it clear to him, as I did all my problems, as I did all my players, that he knew how to get hold of me had any problems. Basically, I enabled Keith's addiction. Yeah. I paid I off his you- debt and made the <laughs> problem go away. And here's a little bit extra for you. You just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. works for my lads. You're certainly playing well out on the pitch, or perhaps this gambling's a good motivator. Next time you get yourself into a massive financial hole, just give me a shout and I'll sort it out for you. Because that's the best <laughs> way to help. Fucking hell. And then it saddened me to find out that this gambling habit, like all addictions, was not an easy one to kick. Mm. Who'd have known? I thought he could have just stopped straight away. Can't you just stop? <laughs> Here's what I'd do. Every time I felt like betting, I'd stop myself I and I'd do say, it. I'd do something else. Dub, double K. Don't do it. <laughs> Go and, you know, have a jog. Have a run round the park or a cold shower. Do you like the music of UB40, Keith? I do. <laughs> Whenever I'm feeling a bit down, I'll put on a UB40 album. Stick and maybe on. next time you feel like having a bet, don't do it. Go put Labour of Love Volume 1 on and it'll soon take you off into a faraway land where gambling doesn't exist. Red, red wine. Uh, oh, cherry, oh, cherry, oh, baby. <laughs> Don't you know I'm in love with you? Isn't that a lovely sentiment? <laughs> there we are. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> TTFN. <laughs> 
Uh, Keith tells the story of one game against Spurs when I put my arm around him and said, on current form, he might well be in the best player in the country. You could be the best player in the country, you know, Keith. I really think you are. Whatever you're doing <laughs> must be working. What I didn't know was that two days earlier he had lost £47,000 in one afternoon, <laughs> then blown another 15000 the following day trying to win it back. <laughs> oh, fuck you now. Now, Gillespie was probably imagining running away from debt collectors when he was running up the wing at high speed. Not good, is it? Well, there we are. Never mind. Ginola was another player the fans could put on a pedestal with his flowing hair, Hollywood handsome looks, and uncommon mm. ability to wrong-foot opposition defenders before putting the ball on the centre-forward's head. He was the facilitator of Les's leap. He was absolutely one of the sexiest players that the Premier yeah. League has ever seen. Yeah. He was right up there with David Beckham in the sexiest... I would say sexier. Probably, yeah. The, I mean, as a player, as an athlete, he was like a stallion. Mm. Big, pulsating thighs, <laughs> tanned. Lovely. Gorgeous, chiselled facial features. Tanned. And, and also tanned. And perfect hair with a a hint of silver in it, which only made him more attractive. And he would get the ball and just fucking go past everyone at will, wouldn't he? And then just knock it onto Les's leap. leap. It was like poetry. (laughs) I loved watching him play, but I did have to explain we did things differently in England after one of his first away games when halfway home, a plume of smoke started wafting down the bus. (laughs) It didn't smell like normal cigarette smoke. It was stronger, more pungent. Aye, aye. <laughs> and when I walked down the bus, I found there were new signings stretched out on the back seat, all sexy, puffing away <laughs> on his galois. Gol- is that how they pronounce it? Yeah, galois. Galois. Yeah. With his feet up on the chair in front. It was hard not to laugh when he opened the packet to offer me one. <laughs> uh, you are oh, bonjour, Kevin. Would you like? Avec galois. <laughs> Come sit uh. with me. We think Sit about with me things. And talk for a while about life. Do you like to and talk course, about love. sex, Mr. Manager? What is, what is life without love? And what is love without sex? <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Hell's bells. What's in them flaming cigarettes? <laughs> it's not one of them funny ones, is it? <laughs> uh, the stench was so appalling I had to stop the bus and he finished his cigarette in the lay-by with all the lads looking out of the window. We... <laughs> He didn't just get him to fucking put it out. He said he could yeah. stand outside and finish it off. I'm stopping the bus, but they haven't finished. All right, very well. Get off the bus and finish, but finish as soon as you can, please. Yeah, ten minutes later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> these, these things cannot be rushed. <laughs> like Kevin. sex, it cannot be rushed. It just <laughs> takes time. You must respect the, Le Gaulois. <laughs> you must treat it gently and respectfully and bring it slowly to conclusion. <laughs> uh, uh, he finished his cigarette in the lay-by with all the lads looking out the window wishing he would hurry up because I promised everyone fish and chips at Weatherby a ritual for our away trips down south <laughs> it's all, the, all the British players with their noses to the window yeah. uh, what's they doing what are we getting oh, no fish and chips cigarette oh into it exotic Oh, I hope we don't miss the chippy, though. <laughs> Is he going to finish soon, Kevin? I don't know, lads. Stop asking <laughs> me that. I don't know, lads. I'm not a mind reader. It's a French cigarette. I don't know how long they take the smoke. I've never had one before. <laughs> I've never even seen one. Oh, they look dead nice. Can I have one? No, you can't. You're not French. Janola <laughs> standing there with his back to the bus saying, uh, yes, I will be finished soon, for I am looking forward very much to my, how you say, fish and chips at Wesby. <laughs> 
<laughs> Meanwhile, he gets another fucking... Le, le poisson est le pommes frites. And the mushy peas. delicious. <laughs> he gets another fag out. Le peas mushy. He gets another fag out, quickly lights, discreetly lights it with the first one and carries on. He's there for 45 <laughs> minutes while he smokes the pack. <laughs> ah, I cannot wait for my fish and chips. Oh, no, he says that. He fucking says it. Ginola finished chugging away at his own time. And then, no kidding, once he had stubbed that one out, he sparked up another one straight away. <laughs> Not even discreetly. He's cunt. just got another one out. I wonder if he checked his watch. It feels like I have time for one more. <laughs> I am going to enjoy Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> They're all still with their noses, their grubby little noses. Keith Gillespie and David Batty, right? Yeah. All of them with their grubby noses pressed up to the window. Peter Beardsley yeah. all salivating, licking the window. <laughs> hey, he's having another one, boss. <laughs> but he's good. When am I going to get me fish and chips? <laughs> this is this is gone beyond a fucking joke now. <laughs> Are you going to say something, Kevin? No, I'm not, David. Well, if you're if you're so angry about it, why don't you say yeah, something? You no, I don't want to say something to him. <laughs> I don't speak French. You know, I don't trust him. You know what Frenchmen are like? He's probably got a flick knife on him. Uh, <laughs> uh, as for Espria, Kev finally gets around and talking about Espria. He was another interesting character. Uh, I had a glass of wine with him over lunch at the team hotel. And when I asked if he wanted to go on the bench for our game at Middlesbrough that afternoon, I explained it was purely so he could get a feel for it. So I'd give him a glass of wine and then put him on the bench. <laughs> uh, it was never my intention to bring him on, but midway through the second half, we were losing 1-0 and in need of some inspiration. By this time, Tina had supped another bottle on the bench. Uh, we, I gambled. I put on Tino and his trickery, turned the game on his head, setting up Steve Watson for the equaliser and creating enough mayhem for Les to stick in the winner. I loved a bit of mayhem. <laughs> Let's create some real mayhem today, lads. Um, it was not always like that with Tino. He was banned after an off-the-ball clash with Keith Curl of Manchester City, and the newspapers had a field day about his partying lifestyle, his relationship with a porn queen, and his apparent habit in Colombia of pulling out a gun and spraying bullets in the air. <laughs> ah, boss, boss, it's a habit. What can I say? I don't know. I cannot help myself. It's compulsion. I would like to stop. But I cannot. How can I stop? Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> it's so exciting. It I, is exhilarating. You should try it. I, Sometimes I shoot the bullet in the air and my dick, <laughs> it get rock hard like steel. Oh, hell spells. <laughs> uh, you like He's that? Good. You should try it. You, you don't need the pills. You don't need pills. Nothing like that. You shoot a gun in the air. You don't worry. You keep your wife happy for days. <laughs> no, thank you very much. Gene hates loud noises. <laughs> in fact, when she does come to St. James's, which isn't very often, she has to wear ear mufflers. The last thing she wants just before intercourse is me firing a blasted pistol in the air. Tino got himself in trouble with the police by firing a gun during the New Year celebrations in his hometown of Tulua. The fallout from that incident had followed him to England and it meant we never saw him on Thursdays because he was on probation and had to report to the Colombian embassy in London once a week <laughs> where he would you visit know. and fire fire bullets into the ceiling. <laughs> With the fucking Colombian ambassador who'd join in. Yeah. 
Tino, come in. Yeah. I've been waiting for you. Sit down. Here your, is your gun. I, fully loaded. I have your, uh, I have your uh, rum. I have your cocaine. And here, of course, is your gun. <laughs> Let's get to it. Bang, 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 bang. Bang, 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 bang. Brilliant. That's Tino Spreer. Um, there we go. That's it for this episode. And we're sort of halfway through that 96, 97 season. We're on the brink of it all falling apart at Newcastle for Kev. So we'll cover that in the next episode. Yep. Stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. See ya. on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more and the best part about quince they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe ethical and responsible manufacturing elevate your style without the elevated price tag with quince go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns